This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London. Podcast. We're coming to you from the George the Fourth. If you can hear the dulcet tones in the background, it's Wednesday night at the George the Fourth. It's open mic night, and we've got our little tickets here. We're waiting to go up on stage so that we can sing a right good song. We can get, release our, our, our vocal cords and just let it all out because we're so happy that Brentford are wherever they are in the league at the moment. Now, I'm Billy Grant. And like I said to you, George IV really taking good care of us down Chiswick High Road. Come down here on a Wednesday, actually. You'd love it. It's great. I'm sitting around here with my chums. My buddies here. We've been, we've been sitting around for about two hours, right? Having a few drinks. We've got no idea what to talk about because... <laughs> being really honest with you, we're so depressed after what's been going on the last few weeks. But listen, we're still in a very good position and we've decided there are some things to talk about. So today... We're going to shoot the breeze and we're just going to just start chatting, open up the mic. But before we do that, let's go back to Saturday just a little bit. Stoke City. We played Stoke City and uh, we're not going to go into the Stoke City game too much because if you check the Pride of West London podcast or the actual the Besotted Radio Show, 8 till 9 on a Monday night, different setup today we had uh, this week. We had Robin Hood, we had GP, Gary Paul. And we had XG Day with the XG stats sitting there, they're chatting about Stoke City. They gave us a night off, me and Laney. We were very, very happy, and they did a very good job as well. So you'll hear everything about that game. They talked about the crowd. The crowd was very upset about what was going down. They talked about the formation. It should be three at the back, four at the back, five at the back, 25 at the back. Thomas Frank, they talked about Thomas Frank. They talked about Jim Avak even stepped on there as well, and he gave his view. So check that out on the Pride of West London. So we're not going to delve into that too much because we don't want to talk about Stoke City too much except to give a positive lilt to it. Before I do that though, I'm going to go around the table. I'm going to ask my chums here. Stoke City, give me a positive about the game on Saturday. Savvy B, how are you doing? Uh, I'm fine, thank you, Billy. Yeah, uh, my positive was uh, I didn't actually notice it at the time, to be honest, but uh, I did uh, watch the extended highlights on iFollow all six and a bit minutes of it and uh, and 
what stood out to me was how well uh, Sergi played. Uh, Sergi basically created every single good chance we had. I know there weren't many, but it was about five or six decent chances. And apart from one uh, dead ball and one nice slide through from Ben Rama, everything, everything was assisted by uh, Sergi. And he did, he did really well. So, yeah, that was, that was my highlight of the day. Fair play to Sergi, who had a very, very good game. It was uh, very turgid. No, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Listen, I'm going to move on to my man, Cham. We haven't seen him at all this season on the podcast. He's been lying low. He's obviously, yeah. no, yeah, completely and utterly scared, Cham. Uh, very active online, very active on the WhatsApp and everything like that, giving his points of view. But today he thought, tell you something, I've got to say it to their faces. I've got to let the world know how I feel. Cham, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Billy. Thank you. Saturday, tell me, what was, just give us a positive from Saturday. For me, the positive wasn't really on the pitch, as uh, everyone's talked about, but it was more what happened at half-time. As uh, some of our fans know, there was a, our club went to great lengths to bringing a uh, Sikh family uh, whose daughter had been called a terrorist, and they did a really good try, and she was allowed to talk to her story on the pitch. Uh, who, sorry, who was she called a terrorist by? Um, a group of uh, school kids, unfortunately, when she tried to in- involve them with them in the game. Really, really shocking story, but she showed great uh, courage in telling it and trying to improve it. And football clubs like ourselves, community-based clubs, need to be at the forefront of tackling racism as a society thing. And I was really, really proud of Brentford for doing what they did. And uh, it was a it, it was a good shine on a pretty turgid day. Good positive story there, and like I said, hopefully Brentford will uh, continue the good work on making sure there is no racism on and off the terraces, as they say. Laney boy, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks, Bill. Then it's something Saturday. There must have been some positives for you from Saturday. Yeah, I won the lottery. <laughs> Did you? Really? Uh, no, no, no. Apart, apart from that, mate, I um, I got, I woke up quite early. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. Pro- arguably the last sunny day we're going to have this summer although we're technically in autumn now. So I got the train to Richmond instead of getting the normal train to Brentford and I decided to walk along the river. And I walked from Richmond up to Kew and I had a really amazing view, uh, a, a, quite a rare view. It's not a rare view, anyone could do it any day of the week. But From the back, you mean? Yeah, no. It's rare not, view. It's rare, yeah. So, so, I, so from around Kew Gardens, I kind of looked over the river to Brentford and Griffin Park and I saw the floodlights and then I walked across Kew Bridge and I saw the new stadium. Be- again, beautiful sunlight. I'm just wondering, so when you walked across Kew Bridge, did you start sort of like, because obviously there's the green there, maybe a few restaurants above, did you start imagining what it would be like when the new stadium's there as to where people would be milling and what they'd be doing? I do have to say I did, and, and I and I and I thought I went straight to the Express Tavern, and there was a few of us in there before, and I just said, and, and it's an actual, almost word for word, I said Brentford's probably going to have the most picturesque stadium in London. You know, like although we hate them, um, Fulham have got quite an incredible location of where their stadium is, and they've got their history, and they've got that beautiful protected stand. Um, obviously that's old school Victorian we're going to have it brand new but as I was coming over the bridge and as Billy rightly said you've got Kew Green so you could drink there you've got Strand on the Green as you come across the bridge on the north side and you've got three or four incredible pubs there and then you've got the Express Tavern 
and whatever else is going to crop up between now and moving in. One over the eight, of course, is where we were founded and somewhere we have our podcasts um, frequently. And I just thought, you know, there, there aren't many clubs that could have a stadium so close to the river. You know, and, and, and as I always say, you know, it, I, it's, taint, it's a tainted love. And, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm going to be incredibly sad to leave Griffin Park, but it was one of those days where I thought, oh, Christ, OK, I can, I can start to picture, and the picture isn't that bad. It's, it's a very, very picturesque location. It's a quirky stadium. Um, I, I hate the seats, but it's going to be it's going to be a new home for us, and it it, it, it looks great coming across the bridge. You, you see the stadium We're, again, so close to the river, so close to where we were born. It ain't all bad. And we're going to have a little bit more of a chat about the new stadium later on in the show. We've got lots of things to talk about. I'm just going to give my point as well because we're talking about Saturday. Saturday was a beautiful sunny day as well in this part of the world, but also on the other side of the world because I thought that I'd mentioned you know, one of my favourite places I've ever been to, which is actually doing another tournament. I went to a tournament in this country uh, um, over 20 years ago, it must be or close to 20 years ago in Japan. It's the, 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 the Rugby World Cup. And for me, I wanted to talk about that. You know, Okay. Anyway, we shall move on. Um, we've got lots of other things to talk about, and we should talk about them right now. So, yeah, listen, lots of things to discuss. We've moved on from Stoke City now, and tell you what, we're going to talk some Brentford things. We're going to look around the EFL. We're just going to we're going to be almost like we're sitting here in the pub with a pint, talking about stuff. Actually, that's what we're doing. What are you drinking? I'm drinking some red American red. I'm on the red as well, actually. We're all, we're all red. What are you on? I'm on Pride. Pride as well. And uh, what are you on there? I'm uh, drinking some ginger beer. Ah, oh, the old ginger beer. I've heard that's a new uh, American sort of pale thing, isn't it? Yeah, very pale. But anyway, look. I just I noticed this. I was coming on the train. I noticed a story today. Um, a little bit of shenanigans. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Derby County. We've been talking about them selling stadiums, doing all this stuff that they're doing. They, they obviously missed out on the playoffs last year. They're really desperate to go up. They need to go up. Um, and we're talking about players and I noticed that a couple of their players Mason Bennett and Tom Lawrence they got basically done for drink driving on the on the A6 um, it's obviously happened a while back but you know it's actually gone to court and they've been done now oh it happened last night was it ah so it happens last night and um, I just thought to myself again listen this is listen we're just like we're just trying to sort of shoot the breeze here um, we're not trying to be, but this is this isn't the best for Derby County, is it? Uh, Derby County have had a bit of a topsy-turvy start to the season, haven't they? You know, they obviously got turned over properly by us. They've sold their, their grounds. They're being sued by Middlesbrough, are they? Um, they're obviously going to be well embroiled in any suggestion of a breakaway Premier League 2, which is being mooted here, there and everywhere. Which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dar- Derby not having a great time since um, Derby ca- um, Frank Lampard's Derby parted, parted company. And Frank Lampard's not having a great start at Chelsea either. So, yeah, uh, Derby seems to be um, have a little bit of a dark cloud hanging over them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're players players getting involved in drunk driving and whatever it it kind of shows that there's like ill discipline there um i I can't imagine that many clubs will tolerate this this day and age it sets a a really bad um 
president out there, you know, where players are out on the lash during during the during a weekday and then like racing around with each other. They got apparently got arrested in separate vehicles at the same time. So it, it sounds like there's 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 something not quite right at home there. And again, I haven't read the full story. You only read you know in certain publications. But the question I, I started to ask is that what exactly has happened? Did, did they were they did they sort of crash into each other or something? Is, is this two men have been charged with drink driving after a collision involving a Range Rover Sport and a Mercedes GLC at the junction of Burley Lane and the A6 last night before midnight. Now, if these two guys have been arrested and there's two cars, did, did they sort of crash into each other and then the police came and, and, and arrested them? Because if, if they did, that's, that's a bit of a fluff, isn't it? I think it's an absolute fluke. I mean, what are the chances that two random Derby County players <laughs> would actually bump into each other, both drunk? That's incredible. I mean, you know, but why the A6? What the hell are they doing on the A6? So we're near where they live. <laughs> it is the Brian Clough way. It's not the Brian It's not Brian Clough way. Well, I think it's obviously they're... They're sort of like working on a new formation there. <laughs> late, late night formation, actually. You know, or maybe tell you something. Maybe what they did. It maybe it's a demonstration to say that they thought that you know Koku and the way that he's managing was a bit of a car crash. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, uh, that's quite bad. I didn't even practice that one. That was just off the cuff. You know, Nathan, Kate, eat your heart out. Uh, anyway, um, but just coming back to, I mean, we'll talk about Derby County a little bit. Let's move on anyway, you know. Um, by the way, there's not going to be any podcast next week, this time next week, because we're all going to be at the game. We're going to be at the Bristol City game. Fingers crossed, hopefully seeing us get three points. I'm not I'm not going to go to the game. I'm going to come back down here and just do a <laughs> podcast. And, and sing, because you've got a song line now, haven't you? Yep, I've got an open mic session. I'm going to sing Kumbaya, my lord. And, uh, and, and yourself, Sav, are you coming down here? Don't forget the game? Uh, I, I could do, yeah. yeah um, I was going to sing uh, My Sweet Lord. B team are playing at the moment now and if you check this podcast out the game will be over but at the moment they are playing in the Middlesex Senior Cup and uh, they're winning 1-0 which is very good last season if you remember we played in two cups two cup finals in fact and the Middlesex Senior Cup is the one that we lost uh, that's right at Finchley it was at Finchley and uh, Wingate in Finchley uh, I was there and we lost to um, I can't remember it was it was Welling I think it was 1-0 and um, it was quite upsetting Actually, uh, what else? Tell you something. Tell you something. Any, anything else? I mean, we're trying to shoot the breeze here. Uh, Lane, you got a little letter through the post today, didn't you? I did. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't today. It was. It was last week, and I got. A, I got a letter from John Varney. So thanks, John, for sending it through. Nice little signature at the bottom, um, and it was inviting me to buy a season ticket at the new stadium. Uh, so that's something we actually need to get our heads around now. It's this is this is all imminent now. Um, you know the, the countdown that's going on in the corner of Griffin Park per game. We're down to it, 21 games now left. 19, 19. 19 games now left. And, and, and interesting, as you mentioned that as well, because there has been a lot of sort of um, chat about this because there was a, a bit of question marks going around. Because obviously there was a bit of a schedule as to when people thought those things were going to happen. Then it went a little bit quiet, which people were led to believe that maybe the club was running a little bit behind schedule. And I think the club's been really pushing to try and try and try to make things happen because uh, we believe that you know we'd be sort of kind of migrating as it was in sort of August, September, and it went a little bit quiet. So this is kind of uh, probably the information that people needed to, to get a bit of clarity, isn't it? 
Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I don't, to be honest with you, I wasn't really aware of, you know, whether there were, we were behind or ahead of where we needed to be. But, you know, the, um, the, the letter from, from the CEO or the chief executive is that, you know, the, the dugout season tickets, which are basically um, the seats that are closest to the halfway line that aren't the very, very premium seats, these are these are um, premium view seats. I, I would put it from either side of the pitch, not at the ends, not behind the goals. There, to the to the left and the right, near the halfway line. Um, and then there's apparently there's 770 seats. They're premium season tickets, uh, and they're near where the halfway sports bar concourse is going to be. Uh, they call it the dugout, and adults. Um, early bird which I guess this is what it is is £690 for adults concessions £530 which is quite a lot of money um, and the comparables are that if you were sitting in a similar position in either the the um, the, the, the Braemar Road or the New Road I think you're looking at about 460 quid so, so, something about that so we're looking at about £230 extra for bar access and a nicer stadium or, or, or sorry, sorry a more modern stadium I shouldn't say nicer because they're, they're different stadium yeah, I think I think bar access bar access is very important to some people. It's not in, and, and, and decent toilets, obviously. I hope there's decent toilets everywhere. Um, but you know, it, it's more or less important to depending on who you are. But I think it's I think like to get some sort of access to whether it's a bar an al- alcoholic bar or whether it's like food and whether it's you know um, soft drinks or whatever. I think it's somewhere to go at half time basically. So that's important to some people, less important to others. And you know, the schedule of how the the tickets, the seat, the new season tickets is gonna be being rolled out is is quite is quite clear now. So um, in by the end of September anyone that's looking for a premium season ticket it, it, it probably should have been allocated or you would have found out whether you, you've got one or not um, season tickets uh, probably January February March and April are going to be for every other seat probably anywhere other than the West End I, I would say and then in April and all the way through to June you're probably going to get uh, your a request for payment I would say for a comparable behind the goal view so whether you're well obviously you're not in the Brook Road at the moment but there will be seats at the opposite end uh, next to the away fans or whether you're looking for an Ealing Road experience and you're going to be in the West Stand uh, or a hate corner experience. Yeah, or a hate corner experience. I have to admit, I watched the Portsmouth game. They've got a proper hate corner going on down there, down at Fram Park. But you're going to be judged on how long you've had a season ticket. So longevity, how long you've had a season ticket at Griffin Park. Consecutively, I assume. My first season ticket was way before this is can be monitored. Um, location where you currently sit at Griffin Park and loyalty the number of um, taps points you've got so that if you want if you want a season ticket behind the goal they're the criteria so you need to either have a season ticket for consecutive years 
you need to be on the Ealing Road already, that's why you'll get a West Ham ticket, or you've, you've been home and away for several years, even if you haven't bought a season ticket. Uh, and then by the time we get to June 2020, the rest of the tickets are going to go on general sale. So it, the, 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 the sequence of dates is laid out now. So it's, this is real. We are, we are moving and you're going to have to pay out money before the end of next season. So and some people would have bought two season tickets this calendar year. And Savvy B as well, I mean, because we were talking about this, we were talking about how do you migrate, how do you move the mates? Because you know, we're Ealing Roaders at the moment now. So, you know, I'm not being funny. I don't, I don't consult you when I buy my season ticket. I just buy my season ticket and now I bought my Swords a season ticket as well. And I know that you've got a season ticket and we'll end up standing beside each other, all of us lot. We just do it individually. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen now. I did ask the question whether or not, you know, there is any possibility of unallocated seats. And I was told that is not possible because of the safety. You know, probably the local SAG, the safety advisory group would not allow unallocated seating in in, in such an area again I'm not going to you know I'm not going to question that as such all all I know is I know that interestingly when you go to some away matches they do allow unallocated seating they say to you no you buy your ticket you sit anywhere you want to so it's interesting the fact that we're actually kind of sort of tied down to allocated seating in our own home ground you know, even though, you know, technically, you know, if, it's, if, if you're only allowed in such such an area and only sort of 3,000 people are allowed in it, maybe shouldn't we be allowed to find, you know, wherever we want to go in there? But anyway, that's a different issue. But Sav, you were also telling me that there's a... Because I was thinking, what happens if uh, I'd only had my season ticket for one year, which I haven't, I've had it for more than that, and Sav, you had your season ticket for five years? You know, how are we going to... How are we going to be able to sit together? Because our, our, our period of buying is going to be different. But, but you, you, you sort of noticed how they're going to do that, didn't you? Yeah, there, there is actually something really um, clever that the, the club have done. Is that if you've got, to, if you're, say, top of the list in terms of having a season ticket for eight plus years, uh, you can then buy uh, two further season tickets. So for every person who's, who's got the long, longevity of the season ticket, can buy two more. So if there's enough of you, Say there's like 10 people, 10 mates, they've all got, uh, you know, season tickets, they've, they've had them for more than eight years. You could get a group of 30 of you together, uh, for, you know, with people with lesser, lesser um, longevity. And so you could get a group of 30. And this is what I think might be u- useful. If you buy a block of 30 together, you can then make those unallocated amongst yourselves. So though those 30 are allocated to you as a group, uh, those you can unallocate them yourself you can just turn up and stand next to anyone as long as you're in that group of 30 seats so I think that is a way forward and I would encourage all Brentford fans all your mates get together get into nice little groups of people that you're happy with and and do it that way because that way you're going to feel much more at home than standing or sitting next to someone who you don't know from Adam you know you might you might become great friends who knows that'd be that'd be lovely but uh, they might also get on your nerves so so I, I would encourage people to get together really think about this really get get your mates together and uh, and sort it out yourselves and get yourselves nice little unallocated blocks where you want to be Cham I mean you, if I remember right you, you sit on a different side of the, of the ground you're, you're like you're opposite the dugout something like that aren't you you're, you're not you're not behind the goal man are you I'm, I sit everywhere in the stadium. Luckily for me, I'm, I'm not restricted by any season tickets, so I'll sit wherever, depending if I'm taking someone new to the game or just in terms of preference. 
Um, but it does sound very, very exciting, the new stadium. Whenever you pull into Kew Bridge on your way back home from work, it glares at you or on the flyover. So looking forward to it. But I would, I would just go on Sam's point. Um, if you really enjoy the people you're around, take the time over the next few months to, to get their details, form these groups, use social media, and then that way you'll be able to move yourself properly to the new stadium. And the main point of this is the club are trying to translate the really great atmosphere we often get at Ealing Road, especially, onto that new West End. And it's, it's important that we all play a part in doing so. And we, we, I mean, where are you thinking of going? I mean, because like I said to you, you talked about a lot about being on the side. Are you decided to be on the goal for the new stadium or are you, or are you still going to be floating around? Um, I think I'll probably want to be based on the West End if, with the atmosphere, but I will would like to go to the, the sidelines, definitely behind the dugout as well at some point. I'll probably use those pre-season games next year as a bit of a tester. I think a few people around me were floating that idea as well in the, in the last game, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. Good points there by, by Sham as well, and, and everybody as well. And like I said to you, it's, it's weird because obviously we're moving this new stadium. It's going to be happening now. Everyone, every, everywhere you go, people at every ground that we go to, all the fans are saying, you know, hey, they're coming down to us this season, which is great because we're going to see loads of our old chums every single game. They're coming down to see them, make sure that they're there for the last game at Griffin Park. But they're also going to be, going to be back in their droves next season. Um, again, assuming we're going to be in the same division, of course, which we uh, which we very much have to assume that, um, because they all want to go to the new stadium next season, which it's going to be really exciting. And everyone always asks you, says, "Are you really nervous about moving the new stadium? Aren't you going to be sad to see Griffin Park go?" You know, so many people must have asked you out there as well. Same thing with me, of course. I'm going to be sad to see it go. I've been going down there for 40 odd years. You know, I've seen all sorts of. Uh, brilliant things and nonsense happening there but you know it's part of your DNA as they say but we do move on and um, and all we could do is we could just keep our pickers up to say it's going to be great because everyone will tell you it's going to be brilliant because that is everyone's job everyone's job to tell you it's going to be fantastic it's going to be great we're going to have a really great time and I, I want to keep this on a positive but I'm just going to say to you just just going around the table here and only one thing we don't need to go too long what is the one thing that you were really a bit nervous about moving to the new stadium, Laney? What you're actually saying is everywhere you go, the people want to know. That's, that's what that, 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 is, that is correct. I mean, I, you know, I didn't, didn't really explain it too well, but now you say it, that's correct. Um, what am I nervous about? I'm nervous about it's going to look worse inside than it does out. I think outside, which is the only place I've been, I've only ever looked outside, I've not been in it yet. I've looked in from out and it... It, from my immediate thoughts were it looks more imposing outside than it does in so I'm I'm a bit concerned that it might look a little bit tin pot inside it's interesting you say that because I think I personally think because a lot of people say oh they love it I mean Rotherham Stadium I remember we couldn't wait to go to Rotherham the first time New York Stadium and we saw it from outside we thought it looks quite impressive and then when we, when we got inside I was actually really underwhelmed and I thought it looks much better outside than it does inside Rotherham Stadium, which is some sort of kind of just circular, sort of kind of sort of bland, domey type thing um, with a sort of all right atmosphere. Yeah, no, it does. It look, from, from the outside, it, you know, the New York Stadium, I mean, it, it looks quite imposing. Um, it looks like a, a slightly shrunken version of the Emirates. Uh, inside, it's, you know, it's fine. It, it's absolutely fine. You know, I don't want to be patronising, it's fine for them. It is actually a, a decent 
media, you know, it's a it's a decent medium-sized stadium, and that's that's, that's what all my expectations are of whatever it's going to be called. And just quickly, I'm just listen because, like I said, we're just here in the pub, we're having some pints, and we're just shooting the breeze. We're going from left to right, all over the place, talking about the Emirates. And I have to say this as well, as you know, we've got chums all over the country. Last night, Nottingham Forest played Arsenal at the Emirates and it's really interesting to see the comments from the Nottingham Forest fans they were ex- we, we thought it was just us we took 9,000 fans to, to Arsenal last season and we were so disappointed we thought the atmosphere was terrible we thought the stadium was average Nottingham Forest I see all my mates they've been so excited going down there taking the day off taking the half day off doing a tour of Tottenham Stadium all sorts of stuff and they've come down there and they, after that they said oh my god said if it's any stadium that can suck the life out of the atmosphere out of your own fans is Arsenal and they had exactly the same thing okay they lost 5-0 but they said even that you know they said it was terrible so if you just go and have a little google at Nottingham Forest and Arsenal they had exactly the same experience and like I said to you it's one of those sort of kind of be careful what you wish for a lot of my Arsenal plates they don't know anything else they've been okay Highbury back in the day was really wicked but a lot of them don't know anything else but you know um, so I think that it is really important when you're talking about stadiums and new stadium moves to make sure that it is right because I think Arsenal have got themselves into a, such a little bit of a rut that they've got this whole corporate tranche, this whole corporate area, which, great, it pulls them in loads of money, but what it's done is it's smashed and killed the atmosphere <coughs> at the place and everywhere else. I don't know if it's because it's an area of expectation or if it's just kind of what it is, or if it's a load of tour, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, it's you know, it could, it could be better. And okay, yes, they do get 50, 60,000, but still. I'll tell you what's interesting as well with the new stadium, apart from the naming rights, whenever that's going to be announced, whether it's going to be a fuller stadium, whether it's going to be, um, you know, a, a, a whatever, a generic, like, revolving sponsorship deal, we'll, we'll find out. But, you know, in my time at Griffin Park, I've watched... Brentford as a home fan in every single stand so I've done all four stands and when they've been a, a home it's been a home stand so the Royal Oak massive stadium massive stand behind the goal then the Wendy House end and then obviously New Road and I've been in the Braemar and I've been obviously in the Eden Road in both guises as uncovered covered so I've, I've, I've done the journey and I'll probably want to, surely I'll want to do the same in the new stadium and watch it from different vantage points because there is a different atmosphere where you stand at Griffin Park. So the atmosphere you get in the new road is, is very different from the one in the Braemar and the one, you know, when we, we've, we sat upstairs in the, in the, in the Brook Road and then we we stood downstairs. We were in Hate Corner. We were by the fence. Um, we're in the singing section in the New Road, sitting down, standing up. We've we done we've done the whole lot, and I, I think I've experienced every kind of every kind of atmosphere there is to be seen at Griffin Park. And I and, I, and as I said, you know, in case I repeat myself, I'll probably want to taste that at, at the new stadium. I'm not sure I'll be able to. Because I think it's going to be season ticket holders only in most most areas, and I don't think you're going to be able to transfer. And I, it, so it might take several years to to be able to say that you've kind of sampled all four corners of uh, Lionel Road, which is is a bit again that's a new experience. Really, we kind of got a restricted restricted experience going on. Once you once you've decided on where your new home's going to be, 
you're kind of locked into that at least for a season. Cham, I mean, he's talking about restricted experience. Does this make you a bit nervous? Yeah, the only thing that really worries me is that we, we currently struggle to sell out Griffin Park in terms of the home areas. I'm not too sure how that's going to translate to the new stadium. I know there's a new stadium bounce and that effect, but the club does really need to drive um, that advertisement along, get that commercial value in. And I can understand why they've done the whole premium thing, because that does go to a, a different type of fan that we're not used to uh, as, as regular um, home-watching fans. But I am a little worried that we'll see more of those multicolored seats than we'll like to. And I just really, really hope that the club do try and really put a lot into that advertising to really restrict that as possible see I had a very very interesting conversation with someone yesterday and they it's something that it, it doesn't apply to me anymore but the basics of, of it were if you ever try to go to the toilet in Griffin Park it can be the most horrendous experience and and so I won't go into the gory details of the situation however he ended up getting caught short massively with with a child so he had to drag the child into the the toilets with him while he had his caught short experience and he said it was just like it was kind of like being in prison and he said so now they have to kind of like synchronise going to the loo before the game and after the game with children between sort of you know four and ten you're not going to get that in a new stadium. It's going to be brand new and it's going to be hygienic. At the moment, it's borderline hygienic at Griffin Park. You know, and, and as as you know, middle-aged men, you know, we we can put up with it. But Brentford seniors, you mean? Yeah, Brentford seniors. But yeah, I, I do like that. I have to say, I do like that. So, you know, there is there is a whole generation of of fans that can come now to Griffin Park where it's it's a it's a it's a cleaner experience you know we put up with so much and that's not knocking it I love Griffin Park to bits but it's it's bought it's borderline barracks you know what I mean Savvy B I mean yourself is there anything that just makes you a little bit nervous looking forward well uh, I'm slightly less nervous because I'm a bit of a sort of weirdo numerologist uh, because I just can't help counting things so uh, I go to Griffin Park and I look at new rows and I count the number of seats going back and I think it's 18 uh, 18, 18 rows back and I've been looking at the little pictures that they, uh, the, the, the drone and stuff sort of put out and I look at the north stand which seems to be the, the sort of smallest and that's more than 18 seats back so I'm looking at the new ground and thinking it's basically Griffin Park but just a little bit bigger so I think we're going to really be able to keep that atmosphere as long as we do the right thing and move Ealing Road to the West End i got a, a real positive feeling about being able to keep the atmosphere going and just make it just that little bit bigger so I'm actually uh, no, along with the toilets obviously I'm actually really looking forward to it OK you didn't answer the question though I've asked you is there anything negative that, you, uh, <laughs> that you're moving forward to the stadium well, the negative is actually moving away from Griffin Park which I love and I've been going to Griffin I mean I remember when we, we, we left our house in, uh, in um, uh, Wilson Green. Uh, we were there for 15 years. And when we left, my wife was crying her eyes out because, it, you know, she was there for 15 years and it meant so much. I've been at Griffin Park 
for 45 years you know so leaving that is going to be bloody painful you know but you know my wife loves the house she's in now and we're, we're going to love Lionel Road in the same way it just might take a couple of years but we'll love it and for me I mean I'll be honest with you there's only one because I, to be honest with you I know there's a lot of people and I do completely understand it you know they're worried about the shop they wonder about the hospital, lack of hospitality they're worried about all these um, all these things that Brentford didn't have the, the one thing that I basically I'm just worried about and most people are worried about it as well is the atmosphere um, I've been to so many grounds around the country and when I go there I just said Christ almighty if, I, if this was my team I don't know if I could support it you know especially when they've done a move you know the Wigan Athletics the Bolton Wanderers and it's that, it's that migration move where it just gets worse Colchester United you know Layer Road it might be an old and dumpy and falling apart had a bit of a vibe about it they moved to that new stadium by the motorway <laughs> you know other than last night when they beat Tottenham of course and uh, yeah you know it, for them it's really wicked on Sav's note, um, you know, about domestic situation and moving out, I'd, I'd rather split up with my wife than split up with Griffin Park. <laughs> Listen, we, we, we won't even talk about that, lady. We should move on from that rather rapidly, I should say, um, under the circumstances. But for me, I, I, I know it's, everyone will turn around and say to you, it's going to be fine, it's going to be great, and it's up to us fans to make it great. But also, it is also up for the situation to be orchestrated to make it you know to make it fine from what i've seen the stadium as we've all said looks like it's built in a way where we can actually make a bit of noise as we know we've been to different places you know slightly lower roof better atmosphere tighter tighter ground better atmosphere and also you know you need to get the acoustics so that the sound can actually flow across the stadium but for me I don't care. I personally don't care about the bar. I know a lot of people like to drink. I don't actually drink inside the ground myself. You know, I drink before the game, after the game. For me, I want to get inside the stadium and I want it to be absolutely buzzing for 90 minutes. And if it isn't, I'm going to be really gutted and, and I'm probably going to be a little bit lost because I'm thinking, you know, what I've had for so many years at Griffin Park, we've lost this now when we've moved to our new stadiums. I've noticed there's people online saying that they're not going to go to the new stadium because of the coloured seats and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we've, we've, we put up a bit of a fight, as, as, as big a fight as we could about the coloured seats. We made an opinion about the coloured seats. I think it's probably fair. You know, yeah, as opposed to a fight. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, that's, that's fair enough. It's, you know, it's how you describe it. Yeah, yeah. We 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 raise we raise the issue, and then and, but ultimately we it's, it's about things the battle the, the fights you pick. Okay, I will use the fight the word fight again. Things you can win and things you can't win, and you know, and ultimately, do you want to stick your neck out for for something like that? And 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 I and of course we we aired our concerns, and I think. If everyone could put their hand up and say, would you rather have red and white striped seats or would you have multicoloured seats, the red and white ones would win all day long, every day of the week. However, you know, um, it's, I think it's only ever going to be an issue if, if the stadium's empty. And I, I, don't think, I don't think the stadium will. I think if most people turn up at quarter to three, or half past two, quarter to three, the stadium's going to be full up and we, it, it, it won't be... We won't be able to pick out all, all those yellow and burgundy people. There is one thing I think that could make the new stadium uh, uh, feel more like home is that if we got some standing there. And that is one thing that I would really fight for. I mean, I don't care about the seats. Uh, I'd rather not have seats at all and just have uh, standing. 
um, terraces. Well, again, and again, I can't go into the can't go into the sort of and we've talked about this quite a lot, the logistics of it. Um, there are people that are going to be listening to this who, who won't want standing, and they'll say, well, you know, this is a boring section for me. I don't want that. Um, I think the thing about it is that what you do is that there are people that do want standing. So what we want to try and do is that they should be um, they want to try and create a situation, and I think the club is looking at this as well, so that people who want to sit can sit in their area and they're not disturbed by people standing up in front of them because this now that we're forced into a situation where in principle we're going to have seats whether or not you sit in them or not it's a different story okay we need to be in a scenario where we have an areas where people who are going to stand because they are going to are able to stand without disturbing the people who want to sit and that is one of the key things for me as well because at the moment you don't get that issue on the on the eating road you stand where you want and no one's complaining saying you're standing because everyone's allowed to stand. But if all of a sudden people say, well, I paid for my seat, and you're like, well, I'm not being funny, but, you know, in principle, this is a standing area. And uh, that's going to be, that's going to be, that's going to that's create a, a, an issue. So I think for me, that's, that's, that's really, really important to make sure that that um, can, can take place as such. Uh, standing, yeah. So uh, that's what I'm going to say, yeah. But... But the thing is, what the, what the club can do, like I said to you, and we've said this before, is that, every, you know, and a lot of people don't know this, but certain clubs, even though you don't have standing, and if the club even decides not to put in a standing or a rail seating or whatever these things which may cause implications, Cardiff City have decided there's an area behind the goal where they'll say to people, if you want to stand, we're quite happy for you to stand here. People, if you don't want to stand, you go and you go somewhere else. So there's an area which, even though it's seating, is actually designated as a standing area at Cardiff City, and you can actually also get particularly designed seats which have got in front of them a rail, so that if pe- people don't actually fall over because they're standings. So there are things that they can do if the club really wanted to. The problem, I think, is that I think that uh, the seats were bought before certain things were discussed so unfortunately I think that you know situations like this may or may not be able to happen because uh, I think the uh, the purchasing was done before the before the full conversations were, were over and equally the political climate is at the moment that you know any kind of political debate is about one thing and it, and it isn't about safe standing so until that one thing is sorted out, I don't think Parliament or or anything is going to look at safe standing with with any kind of energy. It's it's a zapping political back, you know backdrop. It is, but I think the point I'm saying is that it doesn't stop you and doesn't stop the club, which I think they are doing. If you read, if you did the survey that the club did online and they're asking, do you know you know do you want to stand? Would you like to stand? I think it doesn't stop you from actually being in an area where basically it's almost like a bit of unofficial standing where you all know it's going to be standing. So listen. For me, like I said to you, it's all about the atmosphere. And if the atmosphere is buzzing, trust me, you won't really, you won't really, and, and you won't care about anything else um, about the club. So that's listen. That's a little chat about the stadium. We talked a little bit about this. Did we talk about the seats as well? Yeah, I mean, we talked about the seats a little bit, and we talked about the bits and pieces. But I'll tell you something, there's other things that we need to talk about as well. I think I think we should talk about the kit, the badge, and a few other things that are going on right after this little. Twang. So we're going to talk about the um, the kit. I just want to know: did you, did you know this as well? We're talking about the stadium and feeling at home and feeling the vibe. You, you know, our mate Tango. You know, Tango from Sheffield Wednesday. Apparently, he got um, he's been banned for Sheffield Wednesday for for a couple of years. I just found this out today, which is uh, which is uh, a little bit strange. 
Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what's happened down there. He's a, he's a proper Sheffield Wednesday home and away. You can't can't get more loyal than the tango, but I mean, I, I, I can't comment on what he's been found guilty of or whatever. But you know, yeah, it's uh, there's, there's always eccentrics that seem to get that, that they get they get picked out. You know, obviously, you know, I, I saw the Portsmouth game last night. The guy with the bell and the face tattoo is always picked out. Whether you love him or you hate him, football would be uh, football would be worse without him. You know, people like Bernie Watson at Brentford, who was larger than life. Um, every 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 fan base has got eccentrics, and every and you know it's important to kind of protect protect them. I'd say as long as they're not, you know, as long as they're not racist and you know homophobic or kind of sexist. Then they've got, you know, they they play an important role. You know, we had a we had an amazing time up at Sheffield Wednesday with Tango when we were filming up there, Bill. You know, we real, you know, what you see isn't what you get sometimes. And I think I think a lot of times the stereotypical he's he's a he's a he's a fat bloke, um, skinhead, and he's and he's not wearing his top. That would that would mean that you'll be extremely wary of him. I don't know. I, again, I can't comment on what he's been found guilty of, but you know, in my in my opinion, he's a, he's a good bloke. I mean, again, I speak to my Wednesday mate as well, and I haven't spoken to him as well now. But we just thought we'd mention it. And I, I've apparently had nothing to do with with with, with, with Wednesday. I, I don't know. It's a bit of a strange one. I don't even know why we mentioned this. I think I mentioned it because we were talking about our ground and trying to make you feel at home. And you know, you're talking about you know moving to another stadium, but part of it is about the atmosphere and a bit of a family it's vibe. About characters, and you know, you need to. We need to celebrate our characters as long as they're harmless characters. You don't. You don't. You, again non-offensive non-confrontational non non you know non-bigoted people should need to be celebrated you know it doesn't you know like bernie watson our brentford character of all brentford characters used to take an alsatian dog with him to to home games and the the alsatian dog would be straining at the leash on the elian road in between the away fans trying to get at the ball or the opposition's goalkeeper and it was only the fact that he had a very strong right hand and a very strong leather lead that stopped a full-blown Alsatian ravaging <laughs> ravaging players and it was a fact and Bernie who was someone I got quite close to um, for a couple of years, he was he was in a, when he was sober, he was a, a, a brilliant guy, and when he was when he wasn't sober, he was an even more incredible guy. And but he he was arrested once for um, trying to break into Bradford City, I think it was, with a puppy Alsatian in his sheepskin coat after kickoff. He got locked out, and he wasn't having it, and he and he tried to climb into the ground with a puppy. And you know these, these things that you know, these people like that are, are kind of like they make football special. You know, we all we all fell in love with Brentford for so many different a myriad of reasons, and you know these characters are part of the fabric of our game. And you lose that at your peril, you know. And that's the thing that we're obviously all all desperate to keep hold of is that the character and the atmosphere. And yeah, we might move home, but it doesn't mean it needs to be a sterile bowl. 
I've got right. Now you mentioned Bernie, Bernie Watson, and like I said to you, this is this is a proper tangential. You can see we're just trying to shoot the bruise here in the bar and just have a little bit of a laugh. Listen, we haven't had the best to start of the seasons, but it doesn't really matter because it's all about Brentford, the club we love. But Bernie Watson, little story. I'll talk about him. Yeah, cheers to Bernie. Was, uh, yeah, it's Bernie Watson's anniversary a couple of days ago as well, I think it was. And yet, Bernie Watson, like I said, he lives in our memory as well. He's, he's one of the many Brentford fans that have passed away. Um, he's a good player. I've got to tell a story as well. Now you reminded me. It was ages ago. I was still at school at the time. And I remember I was walking um, Kew Bridge with my mate, um, Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, um, Anthony Tash, as it was. And so we're walking, <laughs> walking on Kew Bridge. And all of a sudden... <laughs> We got jumped by these couple of Oxford fans. Right, I'm saying, just came out of the blue. We're playing Oxford, and they sort of there's a sort of fracas on on, on Kew Bridge. You know, what I'm saying, completely out of the blue, and all of a sudden, this car was like the Sweeney. This car just pulled up by Kew Bridge, and Bernie jumps out the car in his sheepskin coat, and he went, "Oi!" And he held up sort of this cardboard thing and went, "Police!" Right <laughs> to the Oxford fans. They were like, oh, sorry, sorry, mate. Listen, right, I'll tell you something, mate. If you do anything like this, you're going to get it. And like that. And he sort of kind of marched them off. And they sort of marched off. I think marched them off to the station. And he came out. And I didn't really know who he was at the time. And I was like going, oh, sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Policeman. He goes, oh, I'm not a policeman, mate. I'm a Brentford fan. Like, I was like, yeah. They just jumped in his car and just drove off. Who's your favourite team? <laughs> so uh, that, those are the type of characters that we're talking about. And Bernie, again, you're talking about tango. So Bernie, I believe, was... was um, banned from Griffin Park for a season, it might have been two seasons and everyone knew that he was a harmless harmless, you know, harmless character really and um, he actually came to Griffin Park in drag for a whole season and everyone was in on it and he, we've got photographs of him sat in the new road with a big woman's curly wig on so they wouldn't recognise him basically yeah but, yeah, but you knew it was him he had his dog with him <laughs> <laughs> so listen we don't know the story behind Tango like I said you I heard it's I don't say it's the name but I've heard it's got no, nothing even that happened at when, it was Rotherham or something like that there was like you know I, I don't even know what's going on but if we get any more news about that but he's a good bloke Tango he's a really good guy goes to England games goes to Wednesday games really friendly comes down the globe has a drink with us invites us down to his, his working man's club when he go up to, to Wednesday as well he drives up from Wolverhampton every game doesn't he he's not even Sheffield based you know so all that so listen anyway that's just a, that's like a, also a bit of a side issue like I said to you we're going tangential on this week's podcast as we go what else I mean what else we talk I tell you something we we're going to talk about the kit weren't we um, if you if you go onto besotted Twitter feed maybe we should actually add that to, to Facebook as well and try and see if we can get the link on there make it the logo of tonight's podcast we'd have that kit so, yeah so so what we'll do is uh, if you look on that we're talking about no well no we're talking about the Copa 90 thing first of all so so if we if you look on the Twitter feed on Besotted and also we're going to try and put it on the Facebook as well I think it's very important um, there's been a competition that Copa 90 who's a, a film company lots of terrorist videos lots of film videos from fans very big company out there do sort of lots of really good stuff we've been down there quite a few times and they've been running a competition throughout the season to try and find what the best football kit of the season is it's gone all the way through and Brentford are there and sort of voted a few times thinking yeah whatever and it's got to the final and it's like cool blimey Brentford are there against Arsenal with a new Arsenal kit so uh, Brentford versus Arsenal Copa 90 so COPA 90 if you go and check that out or go on Besotted Twitter feed and they're basically voting between the two and last time we looked, looked it was proper Brexit with a 51% to 49% 
vote split with Brentford just winning. So it's very, very exciting. And everyone's going out there saying you need to, uh, you need to, to, to vote because this is probably going to be the only thing we win all season, as they say. It's probably more interesting than the Eurovision Song Contest, if I'm honest. It is indeed. So, so that just led us to thinking about the kit because uh, the kit they put into question is the away kit. Uh, the beautiful black away kit with the yellow, which actually looks fantastic. Um, some people say, oh, God, that's just plain. But if you're a Brentford fan and you've seen some of the, the abominations that we've been through, this is, like, properly, like, beautiful compared to a lot of their kits. A lot of people say, oh, my God, I don't normally do kits, but this year I may actually buy a kit. So it's available in the club shop if it hasn't run out of stock, like the Correct FM T-shirts, which we'll come on to in a little bit, which did in a minute. So that's good. So vote for it, which is, which, which is, which is all good. But... The kit and the badge. Now, there was a bit of kerfuffle when the badge came out. What's it? Probably about a year, year and a half ago. And we're saying this quite interestingly because um, the majority of people that are involved in the badge decision, which is um, Mark Devlin, the CEO, and we also Kiwi Kurt, who was in the, in, in the marketing d- 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 department as well. But obviously, Matt Benham is still, still there. Hopefully, hopefully he's still there anyway. Um, Who's the, who's the owner? But uh, Kiwika and, uh, and 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 Devlin, they've gone now, and there was a little bit of like, what's going on here? This badge, you know, you just forced this badge upon us. You're not very happy. Not hasn't got six legs. So we're just wondering, a year or year and a half down the line, what are the views around the table and maybe from other people about the badge? Have you got used to it? Are you cool with it? Yeah, it's a really good point. You know, the the fact that um, the two prime movers for the, the redesign of the badge and the the kind of for for in terms of their mark, you know, I'm going to use their marketing speak. The simplification and the iconification of the Brentford badge and the Fulhamization of the Brentford badge were were uh, stratification. Yes, yes, that's the one. Yes, have, have gone. So it's it's almost like if if those two people weren't there, would we have had a badge change? Who who knows? You know what 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 is is is. And, but oh, just, just quickly, I'm going to ask a question. Do you think this badge at the moment now is better than the previous badge? It's really weird because the badge on the they seem to have even more simplified the badge. At the moment, they're almost like monochrome versions. So everything I see at the moment, the the, the badge on the kit that Copa Ninety are voting on is just purely yellow. Um, the badge that's on most of uh, on the away kit is the white one, and um, the badge that we got sold or we were shown as the new design badge was actually the red, white, and black version. So it's almost like they've they've e- they've o- even simplified that and. Um, you know, it's like three variants, and, and, and the full colour variant is, isn't seen, I don't think, any, on anything other than the, the red and white stripe badge that we get, and it's hard to pick up on that. So it's a bit, it's a bit odd, if I'm honest with you. I don't dislike it. Uh, we, you know, we, we were shown other versions which we thought were better, but it was a fait accompli. It, 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 it was never, ever up for negotiation. Which is a bit—it's a bit odd. I—I I, don't—I don't dislike it. No, um, I, I think the castle badge, which is you know some people hold up as being massively iconic, um, I love in so much as it's part of our history. At the time, a lot of people hated it. Um, so 
yeah, it, it's a bit, it's a bit of a weird one. I have to say, we we haven't been consistent for many years now, badges. Yes, for me, I think when the badge was released, I was a bit shocked because there was real, there was no real consultation with the fans. There was a lack of dialogue with the club, and I think more people were annoyed about that, uh, and that just led them to have negative feelings about the badge accordingly. Um, now I think over time we've gotten used to it. It looks fabulous on the away kit. The away kit is a classic Brentford kit. Would urge everyone to get it. Seen loads of people uh, wearing it on Ealing Road. Uh, but the castle badge for me is the one that should be introduced back in some way or form. Maybe as a special beginning next year. Maybe I, I just I really really love that badge. It's a great one. Um, I have to say that Luis Adriano had a brilliant remix hybrid uh, redesign going on this week. And again, we'll we'll. We'll kind of retweet that again if you haven't seen it already, where he's he's morphed the the eco world new kit into basically the stripes are made up of multicolored seats and it's it's really funny and you know I never want to see my team run out in that. However, I wouldn't mind having a couple of like uh, versions run up for for presents for one or two people. Well, for me, I think the, the previous badge to this one was uh, an abomination. It was just a, a complete and utter mess, and I can see why they wanted to get rid of that. Uh, I think the, the, the current badge, like Laney says, the single-colour version is really, really good. It's actually a really, really strong image, and I think that's why the, uh, the new away shirt works so well, because uh, it's got that single-colour, and that works well. And I think when they were making the badge, they, they knew that they were going to be using single-colour quite often. And, and that, that does work and that makes sense but I think the full colour version of the badge is quite generic it looks a little bit like Sheffield Wednesday and uh, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit boring and generic and a bit now and uh, I think like Cham says the, the castle badge is the classic and if we could get back to that that would be brilliant but uh, it's not going to happen but uh, I think more, more use of the single colour B badge I think that's probably going to be the way forward I can see them doing that I think I think the difficulty is sometimes you when you get involved in this of a of the commencement in trying to create something. Sometimes when you get involved in that process, you can get kind of really hung up because you think, oh no, this is going to be really crap. Again, just equating it. Sometimes always equate it back to a sort of music music days. I remember there's a couple of bands that I got involved in where we, um, as a record label, had to try and create a new name for them because they had one particular name. We had to create a new name for them. Actually, three of them. One of them was uh, one of them was Mystique. I remember at the time, and at the time we were going, oh my god, we went for all sorts of different names. Oh, I can't remember even the names, and we go, oh god, that's really crap. M I S T E, it's really rubbish crap. But by the time it comes out, you've had a couple of records, you forget about it. Another one was a band called N Tice, which you can't remember, which I thought was really N Hat Dice T Y C E. We think, oh, that's really crap. So what you do is you go for a number fifty. Um, different combinations and you end up coming back to that one you really hate it then you put it out there and you don't remember and the other one was actually and we were just talking about it earlier um, the Judas man Jay Sean as well which was another guy that looked after us which was ridiculous because we yeah that's right I think we had names like Jay Remy which was um, I think it was a brandy or a whiskey and uh, because his name was um, yeah, it was, it was all sorts of different things, and we just thought, this is really crap. But eventually, put the name down. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you put it out, and they have a couple of records, and then you're done. And I think it's the same thing with this kind of this badge um, uh, situation here. Um, for me, at the time, 
you know, we look like we have a, uh, a preferred version. I have to say, I'm very much like Sav. I thought the, the previous badge looked like it was it was something that was designed at, at primary school. Um, but, but it was, you know, it, it, it was designed at primary no, school. No, 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 no. no, no the, but the, the guy that the guy that designed it is a you know is a big you know digital web designer down in Bournemouth, and um, you know it, it was it was one of the first vector uh, you know Mac designed images and you know it was very very much in the in the 90s and it that again at the time it was it was okay it it didn't age well but you know i think the biggest problem with the new badge that there's no reference to either river or middlesex and and i think for some people you know that that was a was a bit of an issue you know I don't, you know, again, we weren't involved at all in any consultation on this. I don't, I don't, I don't think the current badge is awful. I mean, I think where you have it, and Sav said it again, where it comes down to it, if you look at the new kit, the kits that we got, and again for me, I'd buy that away kit because I think it looks cool. You go out there and it actually looks quite cool. If the old badge was on that kit, I wouldn't buy it. I would not even consider buying that. And you know, that's not that's not going to go. I'm just sort of saying that that is that is a fact. And, and that and that's a fair that's a fair kind of like appraisal of where we're at. You know, the new one is an absolute improvement on the old one. And you, you, you know, so I so I say the people that we were said that aren't here anymore, the ones that made the decision, they probably made the right one. It did as well, and I mean, talking about kit is interesting because there's been a sort of a there's been a sort of a, a left field kit as well. Some people, a lot of people listening to that podcast, probably know about Corrupt FM. There's probably a lot of people listening to the podcast who don't know about Corrupt FM. We've probably been talking about Corrupt FM for at least three or four years now since uh, well, probably more from actually from uh, from the year that we went up actually. Um, the year that we went up and I remember Steve if he's listened to this I know his brother listens to it quite a lot as well he used to be on the terraces and he used to message us going yeah you're the guy with that camera like you know and from 1914 sorry 2013 14 15 um, Steve and his little setup, which is the Corrupt FM boys uh, people just do nothing the BBC 3 television programme which actually got a was it not an Emmy award what's it um BAFTA award they got a BAFTA award as well last year as well it's a mockumentary as they say on the UK garage scene which is set in London Green Dragon Estate and places all around Brentford just check it out it's on your iPlayer as well and it's, it's very funny and it's also got my mate Tiff Tiffany Steven, Stevenson as well as a comedian as well who uh, I actually went to World Cup 1998 with her and I've got all sorts of video um, fan video stuff you know we didn't start our fan video stuff in 2013 1998 World Cup, World Cup. I've got Tiffany Stevenson interviewing Steve Curry from uh, well Daily Mail and everything else like that. So I've got an interview with her and him and all sorts of stuff. About 20 hours of video footage from 1998 World Cup. So uh, you know Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV. Yeah, there you go, mate. <laughs> but anyway, should we move on. We should talk about um, this new kit, Corrupt FM. There's a little twist that came out, so Matthew Benham was very happy to actually have sort of kind of designed with a Corrupt FM, taking over the eco world, um, um, uh, 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 the branding on the kit, and actually putting it onto a Brentford shirt. So he made a couple of shirts for his son and himself and a few other people, and everyone went absolutely potty for it. So the club designed a load of Corrupt FM black tea. Basically, they're like the away kit, but they're on T-shirt style. Put them out on there on the website, bang, they went... They went in about about two or three hours 
about 400 t-shirts went boom gone I didn't manage to get one because I was out all day so I missed up on it but apparently there's a new batch coming very very soon but again it's quite interesting I mean it's taken a few years because again we talked about the corrupter thing with the club about three years ago saying you should need to get involved but it's quite you know good eventually the club has actually got left involved in sort of something which is slightly left because the whole thing about Brentford is that we believe that we're a little bit left we're a little bit out there we need to be a little bit kooky we can't be the same as Fulham and definitely not Fulham QPR and Arsenal and Chelsea and all these other things we just need to be doing things differently associating with different things and just being a little bit more left field and not being so corporate about the way we go about doing all our things so this is quite an interesting little turn isn't it yeah fair play to the people in the community trust for for sorting this out you know I don't for one minute think this has come from anywhere else other than the community trust I think they've got their 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 feelers out they've got their spidey senses tucked into the the scene um and and you know youth culture and you know as Bill said you know we 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 made noises about craft fm three or four years ago and it's, it's taken it's taken a long time but sometimes sometimes these things don't happen overnight and I think Lee Doyle's got an, a brilliant setup in the community trust and uh, and and you know I think they've pushed for the takeover to happen next Wednesday I hope it's not too cringy sorry what's the takeover so yeah corrupt FM the characters the characters that are in in the in the the, the BBC three show um, DJ Beats Grinder, yeah, and, and Steve's DJ Steve's Chibani. as well, and Chibuddy G as well, who's actually a Newcastle fan. He's one of they're all on one of our videos as well. Actually, you got besotted videos back in the day, so they're coming now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much a BBC Three project, and it's set in the the tower blocks behind, you know, the the Green Dragon tower blocks, and uh, the, you know, it's a pirate radio station, and these characters are proper. Proper dropouts, proper near do wells, proper proper losers, but winners in so many ways, you know. Um, so, you know, it's it's a great it's a great comedy series, and they've always had Brentford shirts on, or you know, one or two of them always had Brentford shirts on, and it's always been really really funny. Anyone that's flown on British Airways, Chivali G's there doing the doing the in-flight safety videos. I mean, I, I've done enough flights recently to get completely and utterly bored of it. But you know, with Joanna Lumley, and you've got you know you've got all these characters on par with him. But um, the commercial departments belatedly got you know they've obviously got their their buying stock completely wrong, and it sold out within 10 seconds. They probably should have taken pre-orders and worked out what the demand was before actually releasing it. But uh, hopefully they get enough in stock for Wednesday. So it, you know, so people, people aren't queuing up outside the shop trying to buy stuff that isn't there. I mean, Jim, I've noticed you've got your corrupt FM uh, sort of kind of. Uh you got your ring on there as well, like I'm saying, and you, you were just you were emceeing before we we came on to air today. You know, uh, are they your boys? <laughs> no, it's, it's, when it, when it first came out, it was something that really grabbed me. Not only was it funny, it seemed very original as well. The fact that they were based in a local area, which I knew well, um, lots of scenes outside um, Brentford High Street, for example, and best scenes probably out of Brentford County Court, lots of places we know well. Surprise has taken a bit long for the club to get involved, um, and it's still relatively recent. I think they stopped in the summer, so still plenty of, um, of notice there. And they're all over the place. I was in Santander Bank the other day, I saw uh, Grinder doing some sort of anti-fraud thing, 
So they're still quite relevant to what's going on and just another way the club can try and promote itself. And um, it'll probably be something more for social media, Instagram, Snapchat, um, so for the younger generation, which we do need to build up a little bit. So yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully it won't be too weird. Hopefully it'll be funny enough. It, hopefully the team won't be doing too badly so the halftime stuff isn't um, overshadowed. But I'm looking forward to it, definitely. And, and, and we mentioned this before as well, um, um, DJ Beats, which is Hugo, Hugo Chegwin as well. Um, Hugo, Hugo, is it Hugo Chegwin? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Hugo Chegwin. It's Keith Chegwin, uh, or the late, late Keith Chegwin, as we say, RIP Keith, who was uh, a, a kid's, kid presenter back in the day for us as well. And then he graduated on comedy and all sorts of stuff. But um, he is his nephew. And uh, I used to do a bit, a bit of knockdown, not knockdown ginger. I used to knock on Keith's door down Linkfield Road in Isleworth when I was young, and he was on TV. I was, was banging on his door, Keith, come out, come out, you know, we want to talk to you. So uh, anyway, we should. That's just a little link with me and uh, the corrupt FM. It's quite, quite. It's not. It's quite weak, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm actually slightly worried about Wednesday because it could really fall flat. Because I think there's going to be. You know, 11,000 odd people there, and how many are really going to be uh, even know what uh, people just do nothing is and what Corrupt FM is? And I'm, I'm a bit worried that it's going to go over a lot of people's heads. Um, the, the t shirt is quite fun, but in reality, let's not forget that the logo, the Corrupt FM logo, is shit on purpose. It's, it's meant to be really, really bad, and it is bad. And you've got all these so, people so walking think, around with this shit logo on. So, so you think the fact that we're actually talking about the, we're talking about our badge and our shit badge <laughs> yeah. and trying to make the badge better then we make it better than put a shit logo in the middle of it. Yeah, our badge looks brilliant against that shit logo. <laughs> but it is But again, tell us. But it's interesting because you talk about shit logos, you talk about shit. Uh, this is kind of where we come because that kind of becomes a lot less relevant when you look at whatever else is going around it because it's also about where it's come from what the show's all about what the people's all about it's almost like you talk about we talk, we talk about music you go back again and coming back to music but you talk about we sort of think you know when you're young you think oh this song's really brilliant it's absolutely fantastic and then you listen to it later you think oh my god you know the recording was terrible the, the singer was off you know <laughs> you know and, and, and that's the whole thing where you sort of you know we've listened to so many records which uh, which they were they're not the best you know the mixing was terrible you know the recording was terrible that you know the singing was off but at the time because it had a special something or a special vibe you accepted it and if and if it was a little bit more perfect it'll actually be a bit rubbish so sometimes it's actually sometimes things being imperfect makes them perfect does that make sense makes 100 percent perfect sense you know i've just produced a book about joy division um which is like 40 years since they recorded their their first album and um you know i've got fortunately i've got to know paul slattery who's uh you know a brilliant rock photographer and huge brentford fan and you know i've been lucky enough to to be able to reproduce his book his photographs in in book format um and yeah i mean you know listen to ian curtis and and hooky and you know and uh, Bernard Sumner back then, when they were churning out their, you know, the Joy Division tracks, that's far from perfect. That's like it's way, way, way from perfect. But that that was part of the rawness and the and the brilliance of it. And it's the scene and the atmosphere and 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 that kind of like raw, just energy that that you can't encapsulate in any other way. So yeah, you know, it, 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 being perfect is by no means perfect 
that was, that was perfect, lady, actually. I, I love it. Um, just tell you something. We've been musing, shooting the breeze, just, just chatting about anything. As you can see, we, we're trying to get away from the, the mundane chat about... At the moment, it's not mundane, it's important, but, we you know, about the three at the back of the five at the back, you know, what Thomas Frank should or should not be doing. We're trying to say, listen, we're Brentford fans and we can actually just sit there and everyone can sit here and we can just talk about whatever. And It may be interesting, it might not be interesting. We're going to come back to serious things now because we've got a game on Saturday. Completely forgot about this. Actually, it's a game on, it's a game on Sunday even, you know what I'm saying? It's even a bigger boo. And uh, we're going to play Barnsley. We don't know a lot about Barnsley because they went down into Division 1 just to take a little rest. And they got well, they did very well in the down there and they come back. So we thought, instead of us guessing about Barnsley, we're going to talk to Carlo from Red Report, I think it's called, or Red's Report even, he's going to give us the lowdown on Barnsley right now. Hi, Billy and the gang, it's Carlo. I'm one of the presenters of the Red's Report, which is a, a live radio programme every Thursday, um, all about Barnsley FC, and later that evening it's uploaded as a podcast for all the Barnsley FC fans. Um, funny old game, football, isn't it? Last year, League One, um, I think it's fair to say uh, we had a, we had a very successful season. It was the first season of Daniel Stendhal in charge, and Daniel Stendhal has a, a very specific way he likes to play football, and 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 the people he likes to play football, um, young players, young and hungry players, high pressing. You know the word gegen press is now in the official Barnsley FC dictionary. High energy, and um, it, it you know we got we got the rewards last season, and and partly was I think because. Um, we had a, a solid sort of frame throughout the team with the goalkeeper, Adam Davies. We had the, the two central defenders, um, obviously Ethan Pinnock, be, uh, Pinnock being one of them. Uh, down the middle, we had Moward McGeehan and up front, Kiefer Moore and Corley Woodrow. And that really, really worked for us. Um, the summer came and after the elation of promotion and an open bus tour around Barnsley, um, Quite a few of those left, and um, it left Daniel Stendhal with a bit of a, a bit of a task of, of rebuilding the Barsley side that would be ready to play in the championship. Um, Eleven players were brought in, um, you know, two goalkeepers, various defenders, midfielders, strikers, um, and and we knew from that moment on it was going to be really hard because to get these players playing as a team, especially in the style that Daniel Stendhal almost demands from his players, was uh, was always going to be really, really, really hard. Um, now, if I look back at the first sort of seven, eight matches this season compared to last time we were in the Championship, um, there is a plan. There is a plan for the club. There is a plan for this team. There is a way we play and we don't vary from it. You never see almost, you know, there's never a change of formation. We don't sit back. Um, the way we play now, we will always play. They play it out from the back. High energy, you know. The, the, if if a team has possession against us, they they tend to say they, they, Daniel Stendhal will give him eight to ten seconds. But that is relentless pressing to try and win that ball back, and then go on the counter attack. And um, first match of the season, you know, Fulham come to town, and um, they were. Well, definitely at that moment, certainly one of the um, the favourites for promotion, having just come down from the Premier League, and we beat them. And suddenly, people in Barnsley are thinking we could be playing European football in three or four years because this is this is fantastic. This is just like it was last season, where teams can't cope with us. Um, 
And then the story changed a bit, though, because um, after that match, um, we seemed to struggle. We lost our home record, 550-plus days unbeaten at home. That went in a very, very poor performance against Luton, where we were 2-0 down in eight minutes. Uh, we played Wigan at home. Sorry, we played um, Charlton at home in a 2-2 draw, which is not a bad result, given how, how Charlton are playing at the moment. But then in the Football uh, League Cup, we lost 3-0 uh, against Carlisle. And to be perfectly honest, I had to look to see what division Carlisle played in. A um, couple of away performances that we thought... Um, during the match were, were quite good for Barnsley. 63% possession away at Birmingham, 64% possession away at Sheffield Wednesday. Lost them both 2-0 because of individual mistakes. A couple of weeks ago, Leeds come to town. Now in Yorkshire, that is of course a huge, huge match, especially for Leeds because they bring 4 million fans wherever they go. Um, up to 80 minutes, we matched them, we more than matched them. We probably had the better chances in the match. And then we give away a silly free kick and a penalty. And again, we lose 2-0. Uh, last weekend, we played away at Forest. And for the first time in quite a few weeks, we saw a really solid performance from Barnsley. But yet again, Forest, um, Forest scored, scored a goal and they win 1-0. However, what was better in this match is we started creating opportunities. And looking back at the last four or five matches, um, especially at home, it, it, it seems to sort of, in the midfield, something something didn't seem right. It's either the, the service to the strikers is not correct, individual mistakes, even within the box, people having a shot rather than passing. And you can only look at the players that Daniel Stendhal chooses to be on that pitch, where I don't think there's any questions about ability. I don't think there's any questions about pedigree. It's more a question of experience in this division. And um, whereas in League One, uh, a typical striker would get six or seven chances to, to, to put the ball in the back of the net. In the Championship, you might only get three. And then if you look at, uh, at Barnsley, having lost Kiefer Moore in the summer to Wigan, um, whilst he's been replaced with a, a relatively unknown Austrian in Patrick Schmidt, who's not really started as yet, um, it's all down to Corley Woodrow. And Corley Woodrow's been injured for a few matches, but he is on his way back, played against Forrest last week, which was good to see, although he was, uh, he was substituted just after half-time. So that brings then um, the next match, which has happened to be as, uh, against those uh, those lads from Brentford um, on Sunday uh, in front of the Sky Sports cameras at Oakwell. Now, this will be interesting because Brentford and Barnsley, both very, very young squads. Um, I believe Barnsley still have one of the youngest squad in the league. Um, our oldest player is one of the goalkeepers who's actually out injured till, till December. Uh, Samuel Radlinger, who is 26. The other day against Leeds, Leeds could have fielded 11 players that were older than the oldest Barnsley player. So we are playing with lads, some of them are 20, 21, 22, but they are getting better. We are creating more and more chances. If we can look at the decision-making um, in the final third of the pitch, Barnsley would be scoring goals. And if we'd be scoring goals, we'd be picking up points because although obviously... Um, my uh, my love for Barnsley FC is never ending. If you look at the, the league table, I think we played Leeds where they are. Leeds could not get past us, and if it wasn't for the two silly mistakes we made, um, you know, we, we we might have had a point from that match. So I know Daniel Stundle has been looking at decision making. He has been looking at movements just in and around the box, and at what positions people play best. We've brought players in such as Malik Wilkes, Connor Chaplin. Um, to, to, to work down those wings and provide 
uh, provide service for the, for the striker Corley Woodrow. Um, the, the striker, sorry, the captain for the club, Mike Stephen Bear, a midfielder who we had on loan last season and and and, and played all right. Um, he's the club captain. A few matches he hasn't started and he's been substituted, uh, which which seems a bit weird. Mowat was captain against Leeds because obviously he's an ex-Leeds player. Um, but it, uh, it remains to be seen who's going to be the captain for the match against Brentford. We do know that uh, Cameron McGeehan is back from long-term injury and is, uh, is hoping to make a start. And, and we don't have any other injuries than probably Mambo Diaby, who has been injured for quite a few weeks. It's hard to give you a score forecast because you know what? It just depends which team turns up. If it's the team that played against Fulham, I could see Barnsley getting back to winning ways with a 2-0 victory. But then it also depends if Ethan Pinnock is in the form of his life like he was for us last season. Ethan Pinnock last season was an absolute rock. Rather unknown when he came to Barnsley from Forest Green. Uh, played his absolute socks off and um, with Liam Lindsay. Definitely one of the better central pairings in League One. However, Lindsay left and so did Pinnock. Um, I'm unsure if he's he's been playing a lot for you, but um, it'll be interesting to see that if he does, if Coley Woodrow can get the better against his former teammate. Um, listen, I'm red through and through, so I'm going for a 2-1 win against Barnsley. But what I'm hoping is that Brentford still play that type of football like they did um, the last time we played them. And all I can say is, for all those travelling to uh, to Barnsley and to Yorkshire, have really safe travels up. Enjoy your day in Barnsley. And uh, don't expect to be going home with any points because I have to back the Reds to go back to winning ways. And I'm going 2-1 to Barnsley. So interesting, that was Carlo. Red report. And uh, he's given us the full lowdown on Barnsley. We know. Tell you something, right? Carlo... He might as well just been doing a besotted podcast and talking about Brentford because everything pretty much that he said, it sounded so much like us. This is going to be the gelling derby, like the two teams that haven't quite gelled playing each other. We're going to see who's going to gel first on the pitch out there. I mean, he talked about, you know, the new manager, Jan Stendhal. You know, he talked about young players. We've both got young players as well. The Gegen Press. He's gone all full German, isn't it? The high pressing game that they play. Um, and he talked about the 11 players they've, they've brought in actually more than us I think we brought in 10 they've brought in 11 players in and trying to get them to play as a team so similarities there and um, Stendhal is quite hardcore because he gets them to play in one particular way um, interestingly he thought the midfield's not right and uh, this is exactly the same thing that we talk about as well that our midfield's probably not quite right at the moment now um, 21, 22, 23 year old young players just uh, in the middle there just trying to do their thing and uh, interesting as well they say that the decision making in the final third I mean it just sounds like a Brentford press conference don't you think so? Yeah I mean it's very similar very similar uh, indeed but I think what's happening with Brentford is that we're actually improving it might not seem obvious with the, the previous two um, two games but I think where, where the, the more we play, the more we're getting to understand each other. And I think, I remember last year, uh, Thomas Frank kept on saying that I haven't got the team I want, I haven't got the team I want. And it was because Camo was injured. Once Camo came back, they, we became a different team and we really, really improved. And I think that's what's going to happen now. Camo will start, we're going to improve a great deal. Uh, we've got some good players, you know, the defence is, is getting really, really well sorted. 
And I think with Camo in, we're going to start sorting the midfield out. Maybe Corellis might, might uh, start or at least get half an hour. And I think we're going to start seeing a big improvement in, in the Bees, Bees line-up and the, the way we play. And I think uh, we're going to get a, a, a jammy win on Sunday. Okay, Jeremy, give us a score prediction. Uh, 2-1 Bees. 2-1 to Bees. I mean, I'm going to say as well, and we said this last week against Stoke City, and to be fair, we didn't lose against Stoke, but we drew. And we said we have to be careful because Stoke are actually probably slightly better than we thought. Okay, Stoke City weren't great uh, offensively, but they tightened themselves up defensively. And the Stoke fans were saying, listen, not be funny, you go forward, you'll score. And we weren't able to do that. Interestingly, look at Barnsley as well. They're not doing particularly well if you look at it on paper. But their characteristics, like, you know, they're good at creating chances through individual skills. So they've got some good players, some good creative players out there as well. They're good at protecting the lead. So the one thing we can't do is go behind. If we go behind away from home, I mean, even at home, but if you go behind away from home, it's a nightmare. And against Barnsley, they're good at protecting that. And also, because the, the players that came in for, for, for apparently, in the, in the centre-backs, including, um, um, what's his name, um, Pinnock. Pinnock's position, apparently he's very good. And also they're very good at, and this is worrying, stealing the ball from the opposition. And what we've been really, really terrible at, especially in the last game, keep giving the ball away. Yeah, there you go. You can have another go. You can have a go. So that could be very, 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 very um, bad news for us. Um, Chem. Yeah, so Barnsley away, tough, tough game. Uh, both teams did a lot of restructuring over the summer. Barnsley lost a lot of players um, from, from their League One victory, but they've got a, a manager they trust and believe in. The fan base is mostly behind Frank, but there are a few murmurs of dissent, especially after these last two poor performances. Um, we've got to be very, very careful uh, because they'll be looking. At, I think they turned over leads earlier this season, so they'll be looking to, to take us as well. Uh, we, what we need to do is we need some of our more flair players, especially Ben Rama, Bermo. They need to, to play today. They need to step up and get into that right frame of mind. They were both pretty poor and, uh, last week. So that. Everything we do offensively hinges on them. Oli's trying his best, but at the end of the day, if he doesn't get service, he can't do much. Um, hopefully, Carolus can get another half an hour, but I'm, I'm really, really hoping we get a win. For me, I think it's going to be a 1-0, and we'll, we'll scrape it. It might be similar to Middlesbrough. Um, hopefully, we won't give away as many clear-cut chances, but it's, it's a tough game. It's another game to, to keep us uh, on our seats, really. Keeping us on our silts is what they're definitely going to be doing. I mean, if you look at the weaknesses of, of Barnsley, and this is where we can hit them really badly. I mean, keeping possession of the ball. So they obviously give the ball away a lot as well. You know, stopping the opponents from creating chances. So if we're on our A game, we should be able to get on that as well. Avoiding individual errors. So they make errors like us. We do finishing scoring chances, again, like us. You know, defending counter-attacks, defending set pieces, and avoiding fouling in dangerous areas. So, like, you know, if we get our set piece people on the, on the case... You know, we should actually take advantage of that. So for me, those are the weaknesses. We should jump on that. And like I said, their style of play, you know, they like crosses and they're aggressive as well, which should be interesting. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for us. They also play the offside trap a lot. Laney, Barnsley, it is going to be more tricky than people realise. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's obvious that we, we're struggling away from home for, for many a year. It's not a, it's not a this-season problem necessarily. We, we have to we have to sort it out, you know. We, we're going away to uh, a team that's kind of not had the best of starts either, um, and we have we have to go there and win. If I'm honest with you, uh, it, there, there are no excuses. We've we spent a lot of money 
and uh, I know we've we've used that we've spent a lot of money replacing players who we got in a lot of money for um, but we we should and I'm not going to say the teams like it's it's not it's not fair you know Bar- Barnsley are a decent football club in their own right and they came up last season and we've got we we bought arguably their best player so we should be superior to them in uh, in what we what we can put out on in, on the pitch in our starting eleven, and and the substitutes. So, you know, it, there, there's no excuse. If I'm honest with you, if we if we come away with anything less than a draw on on Sunday, it's it we have to we have to st- we have to start asking serious questions. Then, if I'm honest with you, you know, we we, we are we are we are then nine or ten games in, and then. It, it, we're up to a barrier where we need to start asking questions. A score prediction now? Um, I'm hoping for a 1-0 Brentford win. For me, I mean, we talked about it, we just need to get stuck in. We need to sort it out. We need to stop giving the ball away. We need to play a little bit faster. You know, we need to actually move the ball around faster and just be the old Brentford. And we need to just be look a little bit potty for it. Whatever the formation may be, Thomas Frank, he's worked with them. He knows who the right players are. He knows exactly how we need to play. I'm not going to sit down there and tell him how to do his job, but we need to just look better and not be so, inverted commas, boring because we have been quite um, boring, which is probably a little bit spoiled because we've been seeing some great football over the years. But, you know, what it's been reverted to recently, I don't want it to continue like that. And I'm going to be a little bit more conservative and say we're going to go for a one-all draw at Barnsley. So there you go. So this has been a right old chin wag. We've sat here, we've talked about all sorts of stuff. It's sort of Pride of West London podcast, Pride of West. London. Check us out, 8 to 9 radio show on Monday night. We're playing Barnsley on Sunday. I won't actually be going to the game. Sundays are really tricky for me. So for me to get to what I'm doing on Sunday morning up to Barnsley for lunchtime, it's just not going to work for me. So I decided to go down to the pub to watch the game. We're going to the Globe to watch a game with my chums. Laney's got the same problem as well, so he's also can't make it on Sunday. We're going down the Globe with quite a few of us, so if you fancy watching the game with us down the Globe, come and join us. But hopefully, if we get the points, we'll be back on track. We'll be so happy that we'll actually say... Bye! The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.